Welcome to the podcast, The Winning Combo, your home for wisdom on marketing and sales success. Featuring your host, Keith Washoe from Research Triangle Park, North Carolina, and Vijay Damojaprapu from Silicon Valley, California. From coast to coast, let the wisdom begin so you can become a winner. Here are your hosts, Keith and Vijay. Hello and welcome to the Winning Combo Sales and Marketing Success Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Washoe, out of Research Triangle Park, alongside my co-host, Vijay Damajaprapu, all the way from Silicon Valley. We're very excited to bring you our ninth podcast. And this time we have a very special guest with Sean Allen out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, Sean here is a graduate of University of Central Florida. He has a psychology degree and he spent 20 years doing sales and marketing, specifically around the tech industry, whether it's marketing automation, he's done 3D printing, he's been in IT infrastructure work, and he currently leads a a pretty large team here of inside digital sales reps and managers with a great company called Citrix. Very, very popular company in Raleigh-Durham region. He's also a father and husband living here in Research Triangle Park. And he likes to coin himself as an unconventional leader. He's an outside of the box thinker, but most importantly, he likes to focus on developing his teams and his reports as his number one priority. So Sean, it's an honor to have you show. Welcome, how are you today? I am wonderful. I feel like uh, the honor is mine and I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Followed you guys quite a bit and um, just finally uh, thrilled to be connected here and and to be reaching out uh, to the listeners, of course. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Sean. The honor is all ours. You're a total expert, and I know you have a lot of great insights to share with our audience, which we're excited to do today. Before we get into it, I just want to not forget our co-host, VJ, out in Silicon Valley, where the sun is shining. How are you doing, VJ? How, how is it out there? Doing wonderful, Keith. Uh, unfortunately, or maybe there's more of the getting into the winter time over here, we got a bit of a cloud, and I believe it rained a bit uh, overnight. So unusual, but sort of expected for this time of the year. Oh man, I'm so sorry, VJ. You in Silicon Valley, California, the one day it rains, the one day you have clouds. Oh, poor you. (laughs) 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 All right, well, welcome. At least you're not having earthquakes right now, and that's a good thing. So, all right, so let's kick off the show. We have Sean here, and what we're gonna do for all you podcast listeners today is really three things, and it's what we call our three power segments. First. Sean, our special guest, will lead off with a a top marketing or sales power quote to help you gain wisdom quickly and it's something you can apply to your work. Secondly, Sean will then share a personal story on his own marketing or sales success or even a failure that he's learned from that you could utilize for your career. And then lastly, Sean will close with one key marketing or sales best practice that you could take away to remember and apply to your professional and personal life for your own best success. Does that sound good, Sean? Are you ready to rock and roll? I am ready to rock and roll. That sounds perfect. Let's go. All right, here we go. We are kicking off the power quote segment. And Sean, it's your time. It's showtime to share with our audience one of your favorite quotes. Well, let me first say that listening to previous uh, episodes, I believe it was uh, could have been episode eight, and uh, the gal you had on was not much of a quote person. I am the opposite, so I am uh, quote heavy. So this was actually the most agonizing part was actually picking one quote, but I did uh, achieve the message 
and the mission, the mission and uh, wanted to share with you a quote by uh, Simon Sinek. And uh, I thought because of the content of the podcast that um, it was appropriate to kind of stay in that lane. And the quote is this, there are only two ways to influence human behavior. You can manipulate it or you can inspire it. Again, Simon Sinek. I just love that quote. It really hits hard for both sales and marketing and really life in general. Oh my God, that's a great quote, uh, Sean. And thank you for that because what you said is very relevant to one of the themes of this podcast, the winning combo in that authenticity and being sincere comes through over and over again when it comes to being successful in marketing and sales because you have to be true to the uh, person, whether it's the audience you're selling to or the person you're talking to. And so I like how you mentioned Simon Simic says you can either influence through manipulation or through inspiration. So what is the takeaway that you derive from this quote? And what do you think it, what means most to the listeners that you'd like to share? Sure. So I'm a huge Cynic fan in general. In fact, um, one of his books was really influential for really changing the trajectory of my career. Uh, Leaders Eat Last. And so if I could plug that book, I would. I think I've bought over 50 copies of, of that book in particular and, you know, gifted it to my reports, um, you know, reps of mine, et cetera. Uh, so just a huge cynic fan in, in general, but at the heart of sales and marketing, we're, tr- we're simply trying to influence a behavior, I think, at the heart of it. And uh, so it's relevant there. But, you know, you, you talk about whether it's leading in sales leadership, which is certainly my current role, lead with the carrot, not the stick. Right. And uh, I recall uh, an example uh, going way back uh, to my first days in Raleigh. And I had a manager that would say, Uh, For those that got a sale today, I really appreciate you. And for some, that was enough and that felt really good. And it certainly felt good for me when when I had a sale that day. But then he continued to say, for those of you that didn't, thanks for wasting my gas. And we were route salesmen and we were in vehicles. And so that kind of took the air out of the balloon. But, um, you know, it, it was almost a manipulation rather than an inspiration. And, you know, another story is way back when I lived in Central Florida uh, post, um, you know, earning my degree. And I remember a popular wing joint was running a promotion for their employees. And they said, whoever sells the most appetizers uh, would win a free Toyota. And, um, you know, so everyone was pretty fired up about that, thinking, gosh, if I can just sell the most appetizers, which is at its essence, marketing appetizers, right? Um, the participants are thinking, hey, this is a shot at a new car. And um, actually, it turns out when they named the winner, they gave them a Toyota, which is much different than a Toyota car. It's actually the, the figurine of Yoda. And so <laughs> you want to talk about manipulation there. Uh, that's a big one. And they were sued. And I think they probably ended up paying out the equivalent of probably 10 Toyotas. But uh, the point is there. Uh, my start, for example, in timeshare, um, you would bring these people here, you would tour them in a beautiful resort, and then you would house them in a, uh, a shoddy hotel. And, and it was the sort of intentional dichotomy there. But the, the point is, is that um, you can either manipulate people or inspire them. And I just believe that the inspiration route is, uh, you know, obviously the, the bigger picture and the, and the bigger long term gains. So I really gravitated to that quote and I thought of a few examples and, uh, you know, hopefully that was enjoyed, but it really hits home for me. 
Thank you, Sean. That was a really, really good quote and a very good follow-up on examples to, to talk about the importance of positivity and inspiration and versus negative fa- fear of failure or putting fear in people's lives. And thanks also for that book club, eat, uh, Leaders Eat Last. That's a, a good one for our book club here. So uh, Vijay, anything you want to follow up with or ask Sean about that? Yeah, a couple of things that stood out for me, uh, Sean. One thing is very evident that your team is really lucky to have a leader like you because it's it's very clear that you believe in servant leadership. So kudos to that. And second, uh, as you are a fan of Simon Sinek, uh, same here, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and also loved his other book, which is Why. Uh, Rather, the book title is Why. So super stoked to just hear that quote from you and how that's inspiring you to be a better leader for your team. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, these are key words that, and themes that I operate when, within my teams. I happen to find myself pretty repeatedly in some crazy scenarios of uh, hyper growth and building out new divisions. And in doing that, you have to kind of set the expectations or the front foundations early on. And servant leadership is something when I'm hiring managers and building a team that you know, is really central to us. I, I came upon Simon Sinek, by the way, um, through his first uh, TED Talk, which was uh, based on the book, or the, the book was based on the podcast, rather, Start With Why, and great book. I loved it, and it just led me to the second book. But um, servant leadership is huge, and I think having central themes, um, you know, when you're leading is uh, is certainly good because everyone knows what to expect. Yes, thank you for that, Sean. That was wonderful. So that concludes our Power Quote segment. A lot of wisdom in there already for you listeners. Hope you enjoyed that. We're going to shift gears here now and go into the power story. This is an opportunity for all you listeners to hear from Sean on something that really, really happened to him personally on a sales or marketing success or failure. So Sean, what do you have for us today? Any interesting story you'd like to share? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Again, like the quotes, probably uh, too many for the space that we have. But in honing in on one, we'll take the Wayback Machine again and uh, take you back probably 22 years. And I was working um, in a popular grocery store as a a sort of a stock team lead. So I had a a junior team and of about four or five um, stock persons and uh, really was a national leader in the grocery industry. And I was up and coming and really worked hard. And by the way, I I grew up in a union household, very much a a hard hat, lunch pail carrying family that put in 62 years, my parents combined in the phone company. So I was never short on lessons of of working hard. I didn't get a lot of lessons on working smart, but my mom basically said, hey, outwork the room. But fast forward from my childhood to um, the stock job, and I'm getting a sandwich at lunch, and they had really good deli meats and, sa- and sandwiches and such. And the deli manager looks up at me and says, hey, are you new here? And I said, well, it's been here uh, you know, a handful of months, but I don't spend a lot of time at the deli, but I heard how good the subs were, so I'm here. And he just happened to be making my sub that day. And he says to me, quote, you didn't ask for my advice, but could I give you some? And uh, even though I wasn't the uh, uh, receiver of uh, good advice as I am today, I said, sure, why not? You're making my sandwich. Let's kill some time. And he said, I would never leave this company. It was a privately owned company, still is today. And they hand you stock um, based on um, tenure and hours work, et cetera. And he says, here I am a deli manager in my late 50s and I'm a millionaire. Don't ever leave the company. 
And so this kind of struck me. Obviously, I wasn't prepared for that information. Fast forward a couple of weeks later, there were some supplies in the store manager's uh, office area. It was sort of an office slash, um, you know, sort of holding area for whatever you would need, uh, whether it's, um, you know, stickers for clearance items or whatnot, packing, et cetera. And I found myself in there and typically the store manager was sitting back there. He did spend time on the floor, but spent a lot of time in his office and he never struck me as a super happy guy. I felt like there were things maybe outside of the job that were dragging him down a bit. And he was not in there this one day that I went in there and um, I looked on his desk and, and call me a lousy, but his day planner was open. And just as a matter of kind of swiping my eyes through the office, I looked down and he had notes to the effect of, uh, you know, be a better dad, pay more attention to your wife, uh, be present with happiness and all of these um, items there, reminders, if you will, that today we do all the time. Like we put them in our phones or, or sticky notes on our laptops or whatnot, just to remind us of those things that are important. But he was so unhappy. And I looked up and I said, what is the top of, of, the, of the chain here it was basically to be a store manager unless you went corporate. So that was the job that everybody was really striving to be. And this guy didn't have it easy. I mean, he would close the grocery store at one in the morning and then have to come back and do shift work and open up the store again the next day at 6 a.m. Then he'd have two days off. He was miserable looking. I just started to put two and two together and said, you know, this really isn't the route that I want to go into. Is this what I want to do for a living? And so I, I decided not long after that, that that path was was not for me. And and um, but I was just fascinated by how two employee views could be so different within the same company. And sometimes experiences can just as easily point you away from um, your previously desired outcomes rather than towards them. And I think the message that I took that day as a 20 year old was be un uncompromising in your mission and what you want to achieve and, and uh, that you might, you know, sometimes make decisions that maybe step away from money, but towards happiness. And uh, the overall lesson to me, uh, I just started to look at things both in my psychology uh, studies and, and this opportunity and experience to step back and get out of the weeds and see things all inclusively. And that way you can kind of make the most informed decisions. You can bring in others, ask advice. And I did a lot of that as well. But um, it made me think of something that um, I had always drawn back to that experience. And a quick example was I had a, a top rep um, a few years back and she was a marketing intern that came and applied for a role on my sales team. And so I was taking a bit of a chance. She was my young, she would have been my youngest rep. Long story short, we hired her and not only was she ended up being my number one rep, but by a wide margin. I mean, she would lap the field by 20% attainment each, each period. And she just was a rock star. Well, one day she was super unhappy. And I drew back on this experience at the grocery store and I asked her the next day if she could bring in, she was just going through a kind of a temporary rough patch. And I said, can you bring me a beautiful picture? And she brought that picture in and I put it right up to her forehead. And I said, how beautiful is that picture? It happened to be of her family of eight. Uh, she was a middle child. Her parents, they took a trip to the beach out West um, every year. And I said, how beautiful is that? And she's kind of swiping at it, you know, kind of pushing my hands away. Sean, I can't see it. What are you doing here? Right. 
And so then I grabbed the picture and I ran probably a hundred feet away across the office space. And I yelled to her, Hey, how is, how beautiful is the picture now? And she said, what, I don't know what you're doing here. This is, you know, sort of a waste of time. I can't see the picture back there. And so I then went back and put the picture about three feet in front of her face. And I said, is it beautiful now? And she said, yeah, it's the most beautiful picture ever. What are you getting at? And I said, sometimes we just need to draw back or draw in or whatever is appropriate for the situation and really gain that perspective that we need. And um, that's worked for me in sales leadership and marketing and, and such. And to just take individual situations and say, you know what? Maybe I don't have all the things that I need to make this decision or to have this mood or whatever it is. And it becomes an exercise, I know, in leadership, at least, to constantly be pulling people back or pushing them in so they can get the proper perspective on what you might be working on or what the goal is. So it really was a good experience 22 years ago that I continue to use today. And I would just encourage everyone to really exercise perspective. And, uh, you know, if that's a good way and you want to use that exercise, please do. I would I would definitely advise that you, you know, have uh, have your own way to go about. It. Wow. Thank you so much, Sean. What a powerful story with great examples, bringing it from years and years ago, even up to more of a present thing you've used in your leadership. What I took away that was fascinating to me is basically to your point is perspective and how important our perspective every day, our mentality is when doing our our work, whether it's sales or sales or marketing, whatever it might be. And specifically around the whole glass half full, like continue to see the glass half full because in order to sell well, you have to have a positive mindset. In order to market well, you have to be able to be opportunistic about the marketing opportunity and what you're doing. So thank you for that. I was just curious, it's a good opportunity to bring up your psychology degree because I think a lot of this is psychology, which you brought up, which is fascinating. So how much is your psychology degree helped you when it comes to sales and marketing professionally in business? And how do you see those interlinking? It'd be, be a good question, I thought, for you. It'd be fascinating to hear your thought on that. Yeah. I was originally an education um, a major way back when for a brief period. And um, it, it just for a number of reasons, I love to teach. I, I've been a trainer in the past, so I do love being in front of a room. If you ask me, hey, you got five minutes to prepare for 30,000 people, I I'm a person that would love that. Um, but to short answer, I can't believe how much it's benefited me. And, and I don't have a doctorate. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I uh, did make it through the program. And, you know, it has just helped me every single day, whether it's the psychology of selling um, or it's the psychology of, of coaching reps. Um, I think it's really helped to propel my love for coaching and development. And that's where I spend at least half my time. Uh, if I'm not in a meeting room or whatnot, I'm I'm seeking out opportunities to coach and it has served. So not that I would uh, give the advice to go get a psychology degree and then get right into sales. But for me, it's just really worth it. All right. Before I go to BJ for a quick question, I just want to make sure the listeners take away something actionable on this. So I'm going to go give you a zinger on that. What is one thing you learned in your psychology degree that you feel, whether it's a theme or a practice that you do apply to your professional life that seems to be strong. Is there, is there a common thread from everything you learn in psychology that you see helps people succeed in sales and marketing or professionally? Is there anything, one takeaway you have that you'd like to share on that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing that, that I've learned and, and put into play and really continues to prove out is that, you know, people tend to know what they don't want more than what they do want. 
And so when you have, uh, let's say, a rep that might be uh, particularly unhappy in a role or, or a period in their life, and I deal with a lot of out-of-work instances as well where I'm coaching people um, on non-work-related things, but really trying to help them understand and work through you know, what they might want in their career and what they might want in their life, because typically they're easy, it's easy for them to say, I don't like this. I'm unhappy with this. But when you really zero in, they can't tell you what they do want. So I do spend a lot of time. And, and I think the takeaway would be like, if you can't um, are having a hard time with that, or you haven't spent the time with it, just approach your leader and say, hey, I'm not sure what I do want. I know that this isn't particularly what I want. Can you help me kind of discover? And I have some exercises that I'll run reps, et cetera, through um, that really start to, to hone in on that. And I think from that point, when we have that identification, it becomes much easier for that person to, to move forward and in a constructive way. And by the way, you're now on the ride with them, which I think is a really cool thing. Got it. Keep the eye on the prize. Know your why. Why, what do you, why are you working every day? What are you working towards? I love it. Love it. BJ, what say you? Yeah. Uh, great stories there, Sean. Uh, super deep wisdom in both the stories that you shared. One thing that stood out for me and which I think the listeners will also appreciate is to your earlier point where two employees working in the same place can have entirely different views of the same company and work environment, right? So th that's a key point and a takeaway for our listeners as well, uh, which is uh, question yourself, ask yourself, and also when you're looking at opportunities in general, always tend to get that holistic view, uh, talk to various people. I, th I think that that's a good takeaway for the listeners and a great story there. And also love the fact the, the story where you shared and told that the ability to draw in and draw back, that is key to changing perspectives on any given day or any given situation. That's personally helped me as well uh, so many times uh, during a bad or even a good work day or even at family. So great stories, great lessons there, Sean. Thank you, VJ. Yeah, and, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, it shouldn't be something that you have to toe the line um, you know, alone on. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, that concludes a wonderful story, Sean. Thank you for that. We're going to move into the third and final part. This is our best practice power. So basically, here's an opportunity, Sean, for share with you listeners a best practice that he's implemented in his career, whether it's succeeding in sales, driving success in marketing or amongst his team. So Sean, what, do you have a best practice you'd like to share with the audience today? Yeah. I'm going to stay high level here. I, I put in some great thought on this and there's a, a probably hundreds of best practices and uh, I'm sure you'll hit on many of them um, throughout successive podcasts. But the 10,000 foot view is just my, my observations and my experiences in 20 years in, in sales and marketing. And I think the quote I would attribute to this is be attached at the hip and I'm talking to sales and marketing. Um, you know, ask yourself as you listen today, how tight are our sales and marketing operations uh, where, you, where you're working, whether it's your company or you're an employee? How in sync or coordinated are we really? And are we as agile as we could be? Um, or, or why are we so siloed? Uh, too often, and it's been, again, my experiences uh, pretty repeatedly, there are some good uh, companies out there like where I'm at now, but you know, why do we build two separate giant monsters we call sales and marketing? And I think there's a point where there's that fork in the road and we decide for whatever reason that we're going to have this department here and this department here. 
and they really aren't in sync. They don't have ideas as to, um, you know, what each other are doing. And, and really we get these, you know, on the marketing side, we'll get maybe big chunked uh, media buys that, you know, kind of set us in and pour concrete around what we're going to do for the year, for example. But millions in marketing, um, you know, is done typically for larger companies. And yet, if you asked, you know, sales what, what was happening, or if you asked marketing how is sales converting, they typically know how well those sales are converting and what the cost per acquisition is, but they don't really know enough about each other to be nimble, um, you know, whether that's from a product level or, or what. So, you know, a very quick story. I, I want to be brief, but I worked with um, consumers and that were brought in to our sales department from marketing and it worked very fluidly and very well. We got hundreds of leads per week and our job was to connect them with the best and most capable doctors in the space. So that was the conversion if we could get a, com a consumer to uh, agree to meet with a doctor. And so marketing would do what they're great at, hundreds of qualified leads per week and sales would do what they're great at and converting the leads. But we never really connected. We didn't meet together. Um, the marketing head was um, out in, in Silicon Valley and uh, the sales head was here east in RTP. And our department, um, we built the department from scratch, by the way, and it reported up through the sales org, which immediately was kind of a flag to me. But I thought, hey, we'll just get together and, and we'll meet all the time and it'll be great, right? And uh, we barely spent one minute with marketing. It's, you know, you do your thing, we'll do ours. And so um, orgs are largely, um, you know, separated. And I think that if we're able to pivot in real time, and I've seen some really cool heat mapping uh, via geos of what's happening in real time from the standpoint of lead conversion. And I think if you're meeting daily, weekly, gosh, I, I would hate for it to be monthly, but it, it's better than nothing. Imagine the possibilities, real-time agility, uh, likely saving millions in, in wasted marketing dollars, converting higher, lower cost per acquisitions, higher ADS, uh, average deal size, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but as orgs become larger, it becomes more critical for these two departments to operate as one. And, and we tend to not see that, I think, um, more than half the time at least. And uh, so we see the divide actually grows when company as companies grow. And I think we need to take the time to really sew those back up, rethink our org structures. Yes, it could be important, um, you know, really expensive. It could be in the millions of dollars to reorg, but um, the payoff is there, I promise. So being really uncompromising when building out sales and marketing orgs, um, and even if you're further along the road, checking in and, and really thinking through, is this the best way to do it? Are we really as agile as we were at startup, for example? And build them really as one org, uh, growing and adapting as one one arm, not two. And uh, so that's that's really the major um, takeaways from the story. But, um, you know, it's it's really important. And, and I think anybody will tell you that, but I can't tell you how many sinks we've had where sales or marketing people just blew it off or didn't find it important. And uh, so, you have to be able to take action on the ever maturing data that you're acquiring and uh, set up your whole system with great agility in mind. And I think that's important. Wow, Sean, I couldn't ask for a better uh, best practice there because this is the winning combo podcast after all, talking about how you need sales and marketing, both pumping and working together at the same time. And I love how you, you mentioned, I never heard this phrase before, which is sales and marketing should really be attached at the hip. And I love that that analogy also about being agile together. 
and even under one one arm, um, in essence, one one kind of business unit, but yet working together in unique ways. So I love that. Thank you for that feedback. Uh, uh, BJ, is there anything you want to ask or anything you want to chime in on, on that part? Yeah. So spot uh, on, Sean, I think that's a key message of a podcast. Uh, and thank you for doubling down on that and spreading that message. Marketing and sales, working as a team, I think that's critical. Uh, one question I have for you, Sean, is uh, can you share a tactic that you are putting to use, maybe currently or you've done in the recent past, where you brought in or you're engaging with the marketing team and how that's working out? Yeah. I certainly can, and and this really goes against my general. I try to treat the the cleaning staff the same as I would treat you know anybody above me, et cetera, et cetera. It goes without saying, but um, in trying to you know I guess make friends, let's call it simply, um, yeah, I sort of had to abandon this. And and what I mean by that is really just be insistent with the department uh, VPs, et cetera, that um, you know, we push and push and push to, to get these uh, two wings together. And it might be, you might feel, I, I know I do, I feel a little bit like a, uh, a bull in a china shop sometimes um, trying to, to really uh, push for this um, you know, collaboration. And so I think uh, to answer your question, VJ, I would just say like be, be persistent um, you know, understand the wins, believe, believe in what um, ideal state looks like and really be uncompromising and, you know, go to the lengths that you need to go to really push for that collaboration. And I think what I have found is when people understand that you're not going to give up, for example, um, they tend to get on board and beautiful things happen after that. So you do have to have some, some help, um, you know, so maybe find a, a colleague or whatnot that can really help you um, you know, in this mission, but, um, you know, whether you're in sales or marketing, I think it's, it's be percent, understand the ideal state and never stop trying to move towards that ideal state. Yeah. I love it. The ideal state and the three P's of success here, perseverance, patience, but also keep the pushing going alive to persevere. I, I love that. Well, that, that concludes the best practice angle. Let's move into the final conclusion here. Really just a summary of the podcast today of some things we'd like the listeners to be mindful of and take away. And I know, BJ, you always do a good job with summarizing some key things that stood out for you that we think we want our listeners to be mindful of. Do you want to share your, your perspective on the summary, BJ? Yep. I'll continue to go with my team of the top three takeaways. So number one, uh, always keep in mind uh, as to how you're thinking about influencing others' behavior, be it your team members or your peers or even your manager. Think about how you're influencing. Do not go on and go down the path of the wrong side, which is manipulation. That That's one. Second is uh, always keep a perspective, right? A lot of days at work or even at family or in at home, very easy for all of us to just dial down and just focus and can be consumed in those emotions that's happening at that moment, but shift your perspective and, and uh, everything will be good going forward. That's second. And third, continue to push hard on breaking down silos between sales and marketing. Always create that winning combo. Wonderful. Thank you, BJ. And a couple of things I'd like to encourage the listeners to take away on that point of influence is Remember the other eye. Influence is successful when you focus on the other eye, which is inspiration. So inspire people, 
that's how you can influence them. I also like to thank Sean for some of the books uh, that were mentioned. We talked about Leaders Eat Last, and then BJ, you brought up Servant Leadership, which is wonderful. I also thought it was just a wonderful takeaway from Sean to talk about what his family taught him, which was outwork the room. That quote really stood out to me today. And hard work, elbow grease always uh, leads to success. So good job on that. And in a very subtle way in passing, it was said that don't be afraid to ask for help. And I think that's key to success in sales and marketing or any profession is to say, hey, if you're not sure about something, ask someone for help. It's an opportunity for them to get to know you better and to bond and for you to learn. So that's wonderful. Is there anything, uh, Sean, you'd like to add that we missed or any other closing thoughts for you? Yeah, I mean, you guys for you guys nailed it. And I'm just uh, appreciative of the opportunity, not only to be on here, but be in the position I'm in. Um, you know, it's it's really awesome to wake up every day and, um, you know, be doing what you really wanted to do for a living. But um, my mission now is just to help others do that that same thing. And, and oh, by the way, performance uh, increases, results get better when you really help people find their passion, get them in the right seat, uh, get a team rowing together. And uh, it's just really phenomenal to watch. And so I would encourage you all, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, um, to ask for help if need be, but really try to seek that out. And, and maybe it's sales, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's uh, stockman at the grocery store, maybe it's a phone company like my parents, but really find that thing that'll get you out of bed and get you fired up uh, to attack and win the day. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Sean, so much for being part of our Winning Combo podcast. It's been an honor to have you here and a pure joy. You've really given a lot of insights and wisdom for our listeners. So we're excited to share this podcast with everyone and we will keep you posted in the forum. So thank you very much, Sean. You got it. The pleasure's mine and uh, it's an honor being a part of uh, two rock stars such as yourself. So thank you so much and thanks to the listeners. Yes, thank you for listening to the podcast, The Winning Combo. We hope you enjoyed it and it's helpful to you and your sales and marketing career. Yeah, thank you, Sean, once again. And to our listeners, stay tuned for the next show and follow The Winning Combo on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, keep learning and keep winning. Thanks for listening to the podcast, The Winning Combo, your home for wisdom on marketing and sales success. Featuring your host, Keith Washoe from Research Triangle Park, North Carolina, and Vijay Damochaprapu from Silicon Valley, California. Stay tuned for the next show and follow The Winning Combo on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook for free content and the latest podcast episodes to help you be a winner.